0: Good evening, everyone. Let's open up our Bibles to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And I need to really especially ask all of our young people to open up a Bible tonight. Adults, if you're sitting next to a young person, share your Bible with them or put a Bible over there in their lap if they're big enough to read. I don't see any reason why we all can't be looking at the Scriptures tonight. I just really want our young people To be looking in the Bible and give careful attention to the things that we're going to be talking about tonight. Because I will be talking, especially to our young people, but things that all of us will benefit from. But Ephesians chapter 6 is where all that's going to begin. What a marvelous day we have been blessed with. Just beautiful and wonderful in so many ways. It's been spring-like weather outside already. we still got... Daylight out now that we're meeting together on Sunday evening. We've had wonderful worship today. The encouragement of being with the family of God. Just so many things to to be thankful for. And I'm glad that we get to have this additional time, this additional hour together tonight to close out the day by thinking about more things of a spiritual nature and things that will equip us and prepare us for an eternity in heaven. Let's read together in Ephesians chapter 6 some familiar verses, especially Since young people, those of you that are in the Bible drill, we just read and talked about one of these verses. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 1, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. Young people, let me begin tonight by saying something that I suspect you would have never imagined that I would stand up in front of an audience of people and say out loud, are you ready for it? Here it is. Young people, don't do what your parents did. Does that shock any of you to hear that being said? I know if I was in your seat and the preacher was up here saying, don't do what your parents did, I'd be looking around and saying, what? All right, well, this is a license, just do whatever we want, I guess. No, that's not what that is. But it is kind of shocking, so I'll say it again. Don't do what your parents did. And I want you to know that even if your parents have been teaching you to do the right thing, I'm still going to say to you, don't do what they did. Now maybe at this point you're scratching your head. There's probably even some parents that are scratching their heads and they're thinking, I don't understand what Mr. Josh is up there saying right now. I don't really think that preachers are supposed to be saying things like that because what I'm saying may seem to sound like it contradicts with other things that I have preached and I have taught in Bible classes and I have covered in the Bible drill. We just covered some of this even tonight. Things that I have said dozens of times over the last six and a half years that children are to obey their parents and they are to listen to their instructions. How many times have we went over that from Ephesians chapter 6? Again and again and again. The answer is a lot. So how is it then that I can stand up here and say to you about your parents, don't do what they did? Well, obviously, hopefully you realize, I'm not trying to contradict what the Scriptures teach. I don't want to contradict what Ephesians 6 says, Proverbs 6 says. If the Bible says to obey and listen to your parents, you need to do that. That's what you need to do. That's that from the parlance of this morning's sermon. That is simple obedience. That's what you need to be doing as children. And I understand as well that part of obeying our parents, part of honoring our father and our mother is that we're going to, to value the things that they have taught us from the Word of God. That furthermore, we are going to observe their godly behavior and we're then going to imitate in our lives what we see in their lives, the things that are good and the things that are right. I want you to listen to me very carefully tonight, young people. That is not enough. God's desire is not that you will just become a miniature clone of your mama or your daddy, where you are walking in their footsteps, and over time, you just become just like them. No, God's desire is that you will walk in Jesus' footsteps, and that over time, you will become more and more like Him. That is God's desire for children. Which is why I'm going to say to you this evening, that what you're going to need to do is you're going to need to live beyond your parents. In fact, if that first title hadn't been so attention-grabbing, this probably would have been the title that I would have used for the lesson tonight. How to live beyond your parents. Because the truth is, just doing what they did, that is not enough. And I want to give you tonight, I want to share with you three scenarios, three circumstances, three situations where that truth is going to need to be applied in your life. And you're going to need to pay attention, and you're going to need to think for yourself, you're going to need to think about your own situation to see exactly where you fit. You may fit in more than one of these categories, but you're going to need to see which situation best describes you, and then act accordingly. And let's just start with this first one. First and foremost, if your parents are not godly, if they are ungodly, if they are not following Jesus, If your parents are not living for the Lord, then you're going to have to live beyond them by being godly anyway. i got to tell you, I think about this point every time that I stand up in front of an audience of people, not just here but anywhere, and I preach to young people about obeying and honoring their parents. Because I know that in just about any setting, that there's going to be some young people who just cannot do what Ephesians 6 says to do. At least not all the time. Because there are young people who have parents that are immoral. Parents that are worldly. Parents that are basically pagans. These are people who do not try to live their lives according to the teaching of the Bible. And even worse, these are people who do not help their kids to live their lives according to the teaching of the Bible. In fact, there are some young people who realize that they realize that they cannot always obey their parents because if they did, what that would mean is that would mean they'd have to disobey God. What they have come to understand is what Acts 5.29 says, and that is that we ought to obey God rather than man. Why, I'm also pretty sure if some of you even here tonight, and I'm talking even to some older folks, if some of you had listened to your parents, you wouldn't even be here right now because they don't even want you to come here, There are people sitting in this room right now who if they had listened to their parents, they wouldn't be attending here. They would not be a Christian. They would not be a member of the Church of Christ. They maybe would be off in some denominational church somewhere else. Or maybe they wouldn't even be going to church at all because that's what their parents wanted. Their parents wanted them. It had nothing to do with religion. And so I know of young people. I know of young people who have been threatened, who have been disowned, who have even been kicked out of their house because they made the decision to do what God wanted them to do instead of what their parents wanted them to do. Now, my hope is is that that doesn't describe you. It might, but if I had to go out on a limb, I'm going to guess that that probably does not describe the majority of people in this room. Hopefully, your circumstances will not be nearly that intense where you've got parents that are just wild pagans who don't care anything about the Lord. But it may be instead, young people... That as you grow up, as you mature, as you begin to learn things, as you begin to have a better understanding of the Word of God, what happens is, is maybe you begin to notice what God expects of people. You've read that in His Word, you've been taught that. But what you are finding is that that does not always match up with what you are seeing modeled in your home. And what may happen is, is you may come to the uncomfortable discovery that your mom and your dad... They don't always live godly. You may find out that dad, dad doesn't always tell the truth. Dad tells lies. You may find out that mama doesn't always use kind and caring and good language. She uses profanity and says words she ought not to say. You may find out that both mama and daddy, they don't always put the Lord first. They put Him first on Sunday mornings, but really beyond that, they really aren't putting the kingdom of God first. And that inconsistent, dare I even say, that hypocritical behavior, it's now causing you some trouble. It's maybe causing you to ask questions. It's maybe causing you to have some doubts. And in that moment, you're going to have a critical decision that you're going to have to make. Will you follow in their footsteps? Will you follow in their ungodly behavior and just excuse yourself because, well, that's just what mom and dad are doing? There are young people that have done that. Or maybe will you say, you know what, my mom and dad, they're hypocrites. They pretend to be Christians, but they really don't live like Christians. This whole thing is a sham. It's a farce. I'm done with it. I'm not going to be a Christian anymore. And that, that happens too. Or maybe, maybe will you decide, I'm going to live beyond my parents. It's not enough for me to do what they did. No, what they did and what they're doing, it's not right. I need to pursue a godly life despite my parents. Can I say two things in that direction? First and foremost, find 2 Corinthians 5. First and foremost, you need to know that this right here, that if your parents are ungodly, you're going to have to live godly. You need to know that that is God's expectation. That is what God expects of you. That is what God expects of me. You do not get a pass on this just because your parents were not exactly parents of the year in God's estimation. You don't get a pass about that. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's how I know that. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and in verse 10, Paul gives the scoop on judgment day and he says this, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what He has done, whether good or bad. When judgment day rolls around, I'm going to answer for me and only for me. I'm going to answer for how I lived and what I have done. I am not going to be able to stand before the Lord and point the finger at my parents or at somebody else and say, But Lord... My mama and my daddy, they didn't do right by me as a kid. I'm not going to be able to say, Lord, my parents never opened up the Word of God when we were in our house. My dad never sat down and prayed with us. My mom, she didn't bring me to services every time. I'm not going to be able to say that to God. Each and every one of us will answer for ourselves. And what God's going to want to know in that moment is, is did you live godly? Did you do the right thing? And here's the good news about that. Here's the second point I want to make about that. You can live godly. You can live beyond your parents. You can do the right thing despite your parents. None of us, despite what many in our society want to tell us, none of us is pre-wired to just do what our parents did. I know in our culture, especially in the culture of blame, it is so easy to get to thinking that way. You know, my parents or my environment, that's the reason that I turned out and I am the way that I am. Nope. Nope. The Bible shows that you have the choice. And that means you have the choice to reject the bad example of your parents, if that is the case. And you have the choice to do what's right. Would you look with me in the Old Testament? I'll show you that. In 2 Chronicles 34. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, I want us to think for just a second about this boy king by the name of Josiah. What do we know about Josiah? Well, one of the things that we know is we know that Josiah's grandfather was Manasseh. Manasseh is arguably the wickedest king that ever reigned in Judah. That guy, it was terrible. That guy sacrificed his own children to idol gods. Aren't you glad you weren't Manasseh's kid? Well, Manasseh had a son named Ammon. And do you know what Ammon did? Ammon chose to walk in the footsteps of his father. He chose to be just like his evil father Manasseh. In fact, he was so incredibly wicked himself that his own servants conspired against him and had him assassinated. And when that happened, that left no king in Judah. Enter Josiah, 2 Chronicles 34, verse 1. Josiah was eight years old when he became king. He reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. Josiah is made king. Now the question is, will he follow the wretched example of his daddy and his granddaddy? Because, well, you know, I I couldn't do any better. I mean, look at the example that I've had shown before me all the time for these eight years that I've been on the earth. I mean, I just can't do any better than that. I'm just a product of my upbringing. Nope. 2 Chronicles 34, verse 2. And Josiah... He did what was right in the sight of the Lord. And he walked in the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. In spite of the ungodly family from which he came, Josiah chose to seek the Lord and to do what was right. And young people, you have the capacity to do that same thing. If you have parents, first of all, that maybe are not Christians... Or if you have parents that are very weak and maybe just not very devoted Christians, you can choose to be different. You can choose to live beyond their poor example. Now, maybe that's not your situation. Maybe you have great parents. Maybe you have parents, and I think this is probably probably most generally true of the group here at Lakeside, Maybe you have parents who love the Lord and who love the truth of God's Word. And so as a result of that, they have taught you those things. They have taught you to love God and to serve God and to follow His truth. Can I suggest to you that there is a sense in which you're going to have to go beyond, you're going to have to go beyond even that? That's the second thing. If you have parents who taught you the truth, then young people, You're going to have to develop your own faith. I'll show you that in 2 Timothy chapter 3. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, Paul writes to a a young man, in fact a young man that in some ways he kind of considered a son in in a spiritual sense. He writes to Timothy. And as he's writing to Timothy and warning him of of some difficult times, some difficult days, some difficult obstacles that he's going to have to confront and he's going to have to deal with, he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 13, he says, but evil men and imposters, they will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. That's what you're going to be up against, Timothy, when you get out there in the world. How do you deal with that? Verse 14. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and have become convinced of knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, while others around you are gonna, they're gonna go off into apostasy, they're gonna go off into error, Timothy, you need to stick with The truth. You need to stick with the Scriptures. Look specifically at verse 14. You need to stick with the things you have learned. What does that imply? That implies somebody's been doing some teaching. Somebody has obviously been teaching Timothy for him to have learned these things. And in fact, verse 15 gives the suggestion that he's been learning those things ever since he was a child. And in fact, if you'll drop back to chapter 1 in verse 5, Paul gives an even more not-so-subtle hint as to where that learning came from. 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, I am mindful of the sincere faith that is within you which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that is in you as well. Timothy's mother, and even Timothy's grandmother, I am convinced they're the ones who taught him the truth. Now there's no doubt Paul had some had a hand in that instruction as well. This is, after all, the second full letter worth of teaching that Paul has sent to Timothy. But what I want you to see is that Timothy was fortunate enough to have learned the truth from these godly influences. Parents, grandparents, and even spiritual parents. But that's not the only thing that he did. He didn't just learn stuff from people. Would you look at verse 14 again? Because the verse continues on. Paul says, "...continue in the things that you have learned and the things that you have become convinced of." That. That is exactly what we're talking about here. Timothy had been fed all of this important information by mom, by grandma, by Paul. He had learned a lot. All of this vital knowledge about God. All of this important knowledge about the truth. But here's the key. Somewhere along the way, at some point in Timothy's life, over time, with no doubt more study on his part and more reinforcement from others, what happened is, is those truths, that information that he had learned, it had gone from being something that was merely told to him to being something that he was convinced of. It was something now that he believed. He believed those things, not because mom told him, not because grandma told him, not because the Apostle Paul told him. No, he came to believe these things for himself. And I'm saying to you tonight, young people, that that is the rite of passage that every true disciple must go through. You've been taught a lot growing up, haven't you? You know, since the time that most of you were were born, you have had teaching brought to you by your parents, by people here as you've been brought to church and been taken to Bible class. You've been taught and been given all kinds of stuff that has equipped you with the knowledge that you need. I mean, from the time that you could begin to understand, you were told, there is a God, and He is in heaven. He loves you, and He cares about you, and He created you. You've been told that that same God, He wrote down His mind to us. That's this book, this is the Bible. And you've been taught that. You've been taught about God's Son, Jesus, and what makes Him special. The fact that He came to this earth, perfect, sinless, and that He was crucified on a cross, buried in a tomb, but that He rose the third day, ascended back into heaven as the King of kings and Lord of lords. You've been taught things about Christ's church. You've been taught things about the worship of the church, the organization of the church, the the plan of salvation that God has devised. You've been taught things about how God wants you to live in this life. You've been taught about eternity, about heaven and about hell, and everything else in between. But at some point, at some point, all of that has to become more than just information to be learned. At some point, all of that has to become more than just facts that I can remember and recite. At some point, it has to become something that you believe. That you have decided that there is a God, and you know what? He is my God. You have to be convinced that the Bible, yes, it is inspired, it is God's Word, and that it governs my life. And I've decided that for myself. You're going to have to take all of those seeds that mom and dad and others have planted in your heart and you're then going to have to grow and to germinate and develop your own robust faith and your own convictions. You remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 a few moments ago that we read? You can't stand in judgment on mama and daddy's back. You can't stand in judgment on the faith that mama and daddy had. No, the Lord's going to want to know... What is your faith? What have you come to believe about me as the Messiah? What have you come to be convicted of about my word? Are you convinced of it for yourself? I'll tell you this. And I've had people say things like this to me through the years, maybe in different terms, but the suggestion was clearly there. But I don't want anybody to ever say to me, Josh, you don't have your own faith. You know, you, you, were, you were raised by godly parents. You had godly grandparents. I mean, you had all the advantages in the world. You're just a product of your environment. No, sir. No, ma'am. I choose Jesus. That's my decision. July the 31st, 1996. That was sealed in the waters of baptism for me. I chose that on my own. I made the decision to follow the Lord. This is my relationship with Christ. It's not somebody else's. It's not even my parents'. Young people, if you're going to be a genuine disciple of Jesus, then you're going to have to go beyond mom and dad. And that means cultivating your own faith that is entirely your own. Let me break that out into one final direction this evening. Because it may be that you have parents who... They have set the right example. They have taught you the right things about God and His Word. And in fact, they've even equipped you so that you can develop your own robust faith. And that is great. That is wonderful. But you're still going to need to live beyond your parents in this sense. And that is, if your parents are devoted to God, then you're going to need to excel still more. I'm borrowing that language from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Would you find 1 Thessalonians 4? You may have noticed I'm not using the ESV this evening, and that's because I've liked the rendering of a couple of these passages that I've read, and this specifically is one of them. I'm reading from the New American Standard. I like how this passage is translated. In 1 Thessalonians 4, Paul writes to a congregation of Christians who are doing just really, really well in certain areas of their Christianity. And Paul wanted to commend them for that. And the temptation, of course, when you commend some folks, is to just kind of pat them on the back and then just move on to the next thing. That's not what Paul does here. Paul's going to give a commendation, but look at what he says. Look at verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we request and exhort you in the Lord Jesus that as you have received from us instruction as to how you ought to walk and please God, Just as you actually do walk. Paul says, you're doing this. Good for you. But then notice that you excel still more. Drop down to verse 10. He says this again. He's talking here about brotherly love and how they exercised and showed brotherly love. He says, for indeed, you do practice it toward all the brethren who are in Macedonia, but we urge you, brethren, to excel still more. Do You see here, Do you see that it does not matter how far you have come in your walk with God. It does not matter how much you have come to learn. It does not even matter how much you have, have changed and been conformed and molded into the image of Jesus over time. This passage says there is always room to grow. Christianity as God intended it to be, it is to be a lifetime. Of growth and development. I'm talking with a dear sister the other night, she's not here this evening, but she said to me, she, she, she'd been studying in the book of Job and she was just so, just blown away by some of the things that she was reading there and was coming to understand. She said to me, the older I get, the more I realize just how much there is room for me to grow. And that is absolutely the case. I can't tell you how many other older Christians have said that very same thing. Which brings me young people, To your parents. Many of you sitting here in this room right now, I know. You have great parents. You have the kind that are described right there in that last category. They are godly. They are devoted servants of the Lord. You have been blessed by God with wonderful parents. And I use that word blessed in the truest sense. It's a blessing. They have been teaching you about God since before you can even remember. They've been showing you God's will in every way that they possibly can, namely by the way that they live their own lives. Your parents are dedicated kingdom workers in this congregation and even in other places. They do great things for God's people and for God's cause. And if that does describe your parents, let me just say, first of all, you need to thank God for that. You need to just say a prayer. And I, sometimes we take advantage of of good and godly parents. Young people, when you go to bed tonight and you say that prayer, the next time you bow your head in prayer, thank God if you have godly parents. But then after you are thankful to God for those parents, you have another job to do. And that other job to do is that you then take that wonderful foundation that your parents have helped to lay down, and now your job is to build on that. That's what Paul says when he says, Excel still more. If your parents have given you the blessing of growing up in a godly home, then you take everything that you have learned in that home and what a home is supposed to be like, and you keep growing in your knowledge of God's Word, and you build an even stronger home when you get married and when you have kids of your own. If your parents are active workers in this congregation, learn from their example, grow your own abilities, and then you take that work to new and unprecedented heights that they never could have taken before. That's this idea of excel still more. And I know in some ways, there's probably some young people who are sitting here thinking, man, Josh, sounds like you're knocking our parents. No, I'm not knocking the parents. Mama, Daddy was here. If I was to ask you right now, do you want your boys to be better Christians than you were, what would the answer be? The answer would be yes. Adam Aaron. Do you want your kids to be better Christians than you all are? Absolutely you do. David Stacy, you want your kids to be better Christians than you all are? Absolutely. I go around this room, and I believe every godly parent would amen that. They would say, absolutely. I've tried to serve the Lord. I've tried to do what's right, but I want my kids to far surpass me. I want them to excel still more. Wherever your parents have brought you, Whatever you have learned from their example and their teaching, you be determined to raise the bar and to live beyond them. And I'll tell you, when congregations have generations come up, and that's their their mo and that's what they're trying to do, is excel still more, you know what happens? It just raises the bar. And it raises the bar. And it raises the bar. And that's exactly what the Lord wants. That's exactly what pleases Him. When families are doing that, it raises the bar. It raises the bar. It raises the bar. Because we've got young people who understood what it meant to excel still more. I have thought a lot during this past week, as many others have, about that young family in Cookville, Tennessee, whose home was ravaged by those tornadoes Monday night. And the end result of that was not just that they lost their home, but the end result of that was that that young father and that young mother and their two-year-old son, they all lost their lives. I've been mulling that over in my head all week long. And while I cannot begin to imagine the enormity of the grief and the pain and the sorrow that the family and the friends that they leave behind, the pain that they must feel and have to go go through. I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that I'm not just a little bit envious of Josh and Aaron and their little son Sawyer. Because right now, what they are experiencing is they are experiencing what I want for my family They are experiencing what I think every other godly parent in this congregation wants for their family. And that is to be joined together around the throne of God, worshiping and praising Him for all time. And I'm saying to you young people, that is what your parents want for you. And if you're going to get there, then right here is a good place to start. Here's a good place to be a good place to be working so that you can know the joys of a family that is serving God in this life and a family that then is all together around God's throne serving and worshipping Him for all of eternity. Now I began this evening with kind of an outlandish statement by saying, don't do what your parents did. And I hope that by talking in these three specific directions, you've come to understand what I've meant by that. Let me tell you one other direction, though, about this idea of don't do what your parents did, that I'm going to just kind of take those words back entirely as we extend the invitation of Jesus Christ. If you have a mother or a father or a mother and a father who were baptized into Jesus Christ, if they repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, so that they could become a child of God, so that they could be added to the church, so that they could begin serving God as a Christian, then you should do what your parents did. And you do it not because that's what they did. You do it because you've come to realize that that's what you need to do. You have come to understand the truth of God's Word. You've come to believe it and convicted of it enough in your heart that you're ready to make a change, to make a turnaround, and you're ready to surrender and to submit your will to King Jesus from now for the rest of your life. Can we help you tonight, young person, to obey the gospel and to become a Christian? It may be, brother or sister, that you're not serving the Lord as you ought. You've not been devoted. Maybe I've talked this evening about parents who haven't been devoted to the Lord like they should, and that's maybe stung a little bit. I don't apologize for that, but if that is the case... Repent. Let's let's fix that. Seek the forgiveness of God. Go and seek the forgiveness of your children and whoever else that may have affected. Start serving the Lord in a better way from this point forward. Whatever you need to do, and whatever way that we can help you to do that and to serve Jesus, then right now is a wonderful opportunity to get on that and to take some action. And if we can help, make your way down front while we stand and while we sing.